Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Salas, and with me, as always, is my very talented friend, who always shivered me timbers, the <laughs> mixtress DC Gina. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where this is going, but I really love it. So you're going to take a little trip with me, you're going a little back in time into the warm waters of the Caribbean. Okay. okay. You right? You ready? Yeah, yeah. You got your swim trunks on, maybe? I do. <laughs> I do. I'm ready. I got something on. Ah, <laughs> uh, go all natural. Um, so let's talk about true badass chicks. Okay. So um, her name was Gertrude Leo Lithgow, and also known as the Queen of Brum Row. Um, she was uh, well known in her business uh, in her industry as being business savvy. She's hard nosed and uh, had a high profitable liquor shipping operation in the 1920s. Hard to believe 1920s, right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so here, it's, obviously, she had a mind for business because she started off as a stenographer for a British liquor importer in, in New York when prohibition went into full swing. And uh, she was super smart, obviously, because she uh, quickly found a way to capitalize on the situation um, because she opened a, a wholesale liquor business in Nassau, Bahamas, and ran bootlegged liquor to the U.S. as her side hustle. So above, way above her time, or way ahead of her time. Um, and she, um, she's obviously a woman after our hearts um, because um, she was the only woman who had such an extensive liquor license during Prohibition. So yeah. she was like one of one. I mean, there were a lot of rum runners, female rum runners are bootleggers, but yeah. She's she, very famous. She had a legit, You know that, right? Yes. She's very famous. She actually used to drop all of her booze off the coast of Long Island and they would go pick it up. So like they would take it all from Nassau to Long Island and she would only like, as long as you were in waters and you were a few miles out, they yeah. would like literally the international drop the cases. waters. Literally drop the cases and the other people would come and take it. Could so you she imagine? Never be, never, so her money was clean. Oh, look at that. See? Yes. Really? Yeah, it is. Well, it takes a woman to come up with something that smart. The rest of them bring it to port. <laughs> and they're like, sure, we're going to, we're going to, we have to confiscate this. I'm like, why? <laughs> but I have this legal business. And she's like, nah, you want it? Come get it. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. Ugh. So, speaking of strong, savvy women yes. from the Caribbean, that brings me to today's designated drinker. She's none other than the president of the Colada Shop, Daniela Senor. Please, tell me I at least got that half right. Half right. There yeah. we go. Senor, senior, it's all good. Yeah. You know? Can't roll the R's. It's we had a long discussion about this before you were here, senor. Janet. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I really want, I want everyone to realize, like, how, how savvy you really are. Let's go back. This is crazy <laughs> when she told me this. Let's go back to that 13-year-old girl from the Dominican, uh, in the Dominican Republic. Sure. You know, I, well, I think I'm even going to go a little bit before that. I'm, I'm Oh, she like, kept secrets from me. Well, you know, when I was like in second grade, like one of my like literally like earlier memories is that I would ask for these like rose art sticker um, little briefcases that came in like four packs and they had all these rolls of stickers and then I would go back to school and sell each little four pack of stickers. Like, I feel like it's always been very uh, much in my blood to be uh, entrepreneurial, except be entrepreneurial and have a business that's kind of like where it started and I always um you know I had from the lemonade stand to a paletero which is basically like I sold candy like I had all these things <laughs> but you know I really started to enjoy cooking when I was about 11 um just because not necessarily that 
amazing story, but like my mom was away for a while because um, my grandmother was sick, and then I started cooking for my dad, and because he didn't know how to cook anything, yeah. so and I was tired of being hungry, so <laughs> I figured it out. And with that, I really enjoyed, you know, I, uh, doing dessert specifically. Like it just made me happy to bake. And I started when I was 13. I I told my mom, hey, can I borrow $200? She's like, for I'm like, I just I promise I pay you back. Like, I'll figure this out. <laughs> and I ordered all the, this was like around Christmas time, and I ordered all these like Christmas boxes, and including these very tiny boxes, uh, and did petty fours basically, and did my own little brochure. I started my company out of my house called Bake Specially for You. I made about a hundred boxes with pedophores with little brochures and I basically went out and gave them to everyone I know. Like I went into my mom's job and I handed it out to her coworkers, I handed it to my neighbors, I handed it to like, you know, like literally like everyone that I could uh, get that box in yeah, hand. Yeah, get a box in hand. <laughs> and the next day I had orders and it just grew very quickly and within like three months I had six employees. Uh, I would wake up at 4 a.m. before school to like really start baking and I would start baking kind of get the production going and then come back from school and continue to bake and That's I had crazy. this business till I left for college so um, yeah it was actually pretty successful <laughs> and I uh, I basically paid for most of my college with the money that I made out of my home catering business. That's crazy. Yeah. And how, again, how old were you when you started that? 13. Shut the front door. Yeah. That's amazing. I love See? that. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> Told you I was going to take you on a good trip. Oh my gosh, though. that's incredible. Yeah. What were you doing when you were 13? Um, I was working in a bagel store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was working in a bagel store uh, and babysitting after school, but my father made us work for his friend Sal. Like, I didn't make us, I shouldn't say that. It was it was out there. You could go work for Sal for like six hours to make some extra money for all the things that like, you know, we want to have five kids and we grew up in New York and like I didn't grow up, you know, with any, like no wealthy parents, trust me on that. So, you know, it was like, you could go work here. And, you know, I was like, and I worked there until I graduated um, high school. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm never gonna do anything with bagels again. Well, here we are. <laughs> so you might be back in before you know it. You know, I, you know I, it's very interesting how you go, like, really return back to your roots. Yeah. You know, and even, like, with the food at college, I never thought I was, you know, going to be making empanadas. I was, you know, when I started then really getting into cooking as I was like, yeah, I had the dessert catering company, but then I was really into it. I wanted to do everything French and everything Italian, like everything, but basically Caribbean. It was kind of like, I wanted to obviously learn other things that uh, weren't like what my day to day was. And now I'm like the complete, completely the opposite. I'm like, I want to embrace everything Latino, everything from my heritage, all the flavors, all the ingredients, everything that just gives me that homey fuzzy feeling and yeah you know, it's just like that warm hospitality and yeah that's interesting it says a lot that you went out and and did new different things you didn't just i mean you you went out and and tried all the different cuisines and kind of not full circle well full circle yeah in a positive way um yeah. that's great i mean you never you don't have, you never you're not sitting there wondering if you should be doing something else now so that's great you've taken taking the risks or gone out on that limb to figure out something else. That's yeah. great. And learn something new. So you went to college. How'd you get here? Well, college and I uh, went to culinary school. Uh, so I went to culinary school in New York and uh, 
you know, I really... You went to CIA? I did. Wow. Very nice. Uh, Very fancy. Yeah. I you know, it. those brownies paid for it, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I went to CIA, um, you know, so I studied culinary arts and worked in New York in a number of restaurants and um, fine dining was fun, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm really tired of being stuck in a basement. I don't see the light of day. I don't see anyone. And I really fell in love Your with cooking. Your eyes started to turn gray. Yeah. You know, I really wanted, I enjoyed how people, like food brought people together and I never saw the other end of it. I just saw the food leaving. I would never see anyone. I was literally like in a basement, you know, like very nice restaurants, but still in the basement of those really nice restaurants. And I really wanted to like move away from that and get back to what made me happy. And it was really seeing how people enjoy themselves while eating and like that connection. And um, while working in the kitchen at Le Renardin, I really fell in love with wine because then I, when I kind of got tired a little bit of the line, I started working more the events and uh, with Aldo Sam, but it's like just really you know, he made me fall in love with wine. And then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna really take a turn here. And I actually went back to CIA and um, then got a bachelor's uh, in hospitality, but with a focus on beverage. So, you know, really dived into more like cocktail history and, you know, all the fun mixology stuff, but a lot of, with a lot of focus on wine. And, you know, then kind of ended the up dark in side. I know. <laughs> yeah, the dark side or the fun side. Yeah, you know? we pulled it's you like, right in. You know, that's really, you know, food makes people have fun, but what's really making people have fun is the libations on the table yeah. while you're eating. So, you know, let's make, let's make this party, you know, yeah. even better. So, yeah, that's kind of how I transitioned from, I guess, the kitchen to the front, but it was, to me, always very fun creating cocktails, and because, again, you're playing with flavors, you're, yeah. you know, those same combinations that you do with food, it's like, okay, let's take them and transition them into now something liquid, Yeah. and, you know, it's a way to express creativity, and kind of, I still very much use my culinary background to apply it to a cocktail sure. making just because again it's it's flavors as you have a palate you play with different things and I love classic cocktails and I think I, I like you kind of go back and full circle I feel in life with pretty much everything but it's just you know at one point when really out there with like a lot of flavors and you know you're always trying to create a kind of reinvent the wheel and then you get back to like you know what let's there's a base for a reason and it's just like let's play within that base and within yeah. the, uh, those ranges of flavors so I think the other thing that's really interesting is is in the front of the house pouring cocktails you create cocktails that ma that go with food a hundred percent it's not the other like food you don't you always start with the food and go to the cocktail um, so it adds another layer layer of not well i guess complexity but gives you something else another another variable yeah it's, i think i look at things as a complete experience you know i think that it, uh, one thing has to work with the other but it's not it's the food it's the cocktail it's the ambience like the music like yeah you kind of have to tie them all together to Make really create a memorable experience yeah exactly like, it's that whole experience yeah. and, and it's it's you can have a great dish and have terrible service and it'll ruin the meal a hundred percent so again it's that whole that holistic approach to dining and just in, in life i think period 
What are you doing over there, Gina? So, listen, I'm making a whole bunch of noise because she kind of segues, and when she segues from her pedophores, I might as well segue into a cocktail, right? All right, let's do it. So, I thought about this a little bit, and I was like, well, what would be something different to do, right? Well, I know that um, my friend, she loves uh, the Bacardi. So we actually made- <laughs> She uh, loves the Bacardi. <laughs> the Bacardi. To the family, no, she does. You do a lot of work with Bacardi and like they're really yeah. great. So what we're doing is we're making a version of a hurricane today, which is not really a hurricane, it's more of a, more of a, like, a like a punch. So it is um, one ounce of Bacardi light, one ounce of Bacardi dark, quarter ounce of 151, and Ooh. then we have um, fresh passion fruit, and that's um, 0.75 ounces, so like almost an ounce of passion fruit, uh, quarter ounce of lime, quarter ounce of lemon, quarter ounce of um, orange, and that's what I put in mine. So it's really it's just a little, you know, fun nice. thing. So and what makes it pink is is that we just took a little bit of rose hip and steeped it for you. Ooh, yum. Yeah. You know, so not complicated at all. No, no complications here. But, yeah. I will give, but you'll get the recipe fully, so it's, you know, it's no hurt for anybody else. This is a very interesting day. In so why don't we talk about where we are? Yeah, we are at La Cosecha Market, which recently opened, and it's uh, kind of adjacent to Union Market area here in Washington, D.C., and um, with that, I opened in this location our bar called Serenata, which is uh, definitely playing an homage to a lot of Latin American countries, so rather than kind of making them go all together, we basically focus each cocktail to a country and uh, source the ingredients, you know, not only from the spirit, but also uh, all of the fruits and other, you know, items that we use, yeah. ingredients that we use in that cocktail uh, from that country and spell it on the menu, how they say it in the country. We nice. really want to make sure that we honor uh, individuality within Latin America and not like group them all together. Wait, it's not all just one? It's not what? all just one. All right, uh, shake it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good reason to stop. What? <laughs> it's a great reason to stop talking. <laughs> we get more cocktails, yes. We throw the guests first, we shake it. Yeah, so we wanna we wanna celebrate each country. Uh, they're all different, you know. We have a lot of commonalities in our ingredients and heritage, but we've taken different routes within them. Absolutely. And obviously, there's a lot of uh, different ecosystems within Latin America. So also different variety, like different ingredients yes. uh, that we use. So we wanna honor all of them. All those different influences. Yes. It's great. It's a, I think it's really wonderful when we start seeing that. What one? It's you, fusion is is a wonderful combination of things, but then when it, it becomes all of one and not any of another, meaning not honoring all of that, what is a part of that, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful that you're doing that, where you are bringing it together, but yet giving it its own space. Yeah, I think as, as a market, you know, uh, all the spaces going in here are like bringing in all their like wonderful countries and like most of the places have, you know, one country that they're representing. We are have the privilege of doing kind of the beverage and bringing the whole market together. Nice. So we want to make sure that we incorporate uh, all of them. What's the name again? 
serenata. Nice. Uh, you can just sit right in the middle. It, right in the middle is a very fun bar. Serenata means serenade, and yeah. we know it's kind of like music kind of brings all Latin America together, so that's uh, why we chose that name. It's like, you know, the Latin vibes, and we, you know, want to make, honestly, at the end of the day, we just want people to have fun. Nice. How do you say the name? Cheers to that. Cheers. 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 Thank you for having us. So beautiful. Dan Daniela was kind enough to let us use her beautiful um, Collins glasses with a little cut crystal. They're stunning. Oh, and the drink inside is as lovely as the glass. I tell oh you my that. God. What? It's oh, so amazing. I like so that. Refreshing. So again, it, it's really refreshing and a little tart. What am I? What's what's making that happen? The um. Well, the ingredients, but it's really, it's like, <laughs> I mean, we went through the ingredients, like, Louise, we, uh, really, what that tart flavor is, it's just the fresh um, passion fruit. That's what I wasn't expecting. And it's a, so and it's a pain good. In the butt. But I have a question for you, because I don't know, I want to name this cocktail. What is the hat called, the big brim hats that, um, that women wear? Like, um, you know what I'm talking about? Like, they wear those really pretty hats, like, on the beaches, like, in, uh, like, the in, big like, floppy DR sun? and everything like that. Yeah, I don't, um, it's not they, like, they call them sombrero no. de paja, just like straw, like straw hat, that's that, but they call them, again, every country has a different name for them, like over there, they just say sombrero de paja, but like, they also, you have to write that for me, that's what we're going to call this, right, <laughs> because it has straw a little hat. hat on it, it has a little it gold ball, it's, it's, it's got its own thing happening, and I feel like that's what it is, it was, that was my inspiration, because when you see the pictures for DR, like every, mm -hmm. every single time you see a promotion for it, it's always the women, in this giant, like, you know, sun hat, but like, they're not sun hats. Like, they're just a different hat. I have one very similar to what you're describing, I believe, and it's black and white, and it looks right. really cool. It looks really cool until I actually wore it to the beach and it was really windy. And it just kept flapping me in the face because the wind would catch it. And it was like, I was like, oh. And then I looked it up and then, or then it would catch it the other way and it was, and it just looked like bad bangs. I don't know, it was, it was comical. It was comical. I, I, I have similar experiences with hats. You know, like some people, like, you know, my business partner, Juan, can wear hats so naturally. It's just like an extension of his head. And for me, it's <laughs> Extension of his head. Yeah, for me, it's always like, it's moving, it's like on the side. It's not like I'm like, oh God, I, I just I'm the same I'm way. Not, I'm not everyone, talented with the hats. Everyone so. always says I should wear hats. They, 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 oh, I have the face for a hat, blah, blah, blah. And I do wear them like in the winter when it's cold. But then any other time I just feel like like it's a costume piece. Like it's not like, a, I don't feel natural yeah. in them is my point. But other people look perfectly yeah. fine. I'm just like, oh, I look I like love wearing hats. I like during the winter. Hats, beanies, 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 everything. I, I, I like wearing. Like, I, I just feel like, okay, they fit. Wow. I don't care if it's natural or not. I'm from New York. <laughs> they also have these hats on that we're talking about, hats that they make in DR out of plantain leaves. And they kind of weave them um, together. And it's uh, also like pretty cool. I I'm going to show you the picture, and then we'll get the guests when you listen to this podcast. And it might change the name, but we're not sure. <laughs> I, think, I think we got the name, but I don't, I don't know. But I really, it's just a very, it's just a very, I don't know. It's, it's just cute. a picture for me. I love it. I love yeah, it. it's that's how I get my inspiration for people. Like sometimes I just like look where you're from or what's going on or you know, it's never it's never quite the same. So what brought you to DC from New York? Or is there another spot along the way? Uh no, I came from New York to DC. Um originally I guess I came because I got a job with the four seasons in Georgetown. Um and quickly realized that that wasn't the place for me. Um, in the sense that, 
you know, it seemed cool going Four Seasons, DC, you know, such a big name. It's but, prestigious, yeah. You know, I like individuality mm-hmm. and uh, and also restaurants. I'm not really a hotel person. Nothing. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with hotels. It's just you know you have um, part of a much bigger operation and well, they have a, a bit of a sea of sameness because you as a consumer want to have that same experience at the Four Seasons. No, what no matter which one you walk into. Correct. But then to your point, for a creative person working that space, you lose a little. You lose that space. Exactly. You yeah. kind of have to go into the mold, and I like to break them. So. <laughs> I know a so. few other people sitting at this table who would say this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So then I, um, after that, had the pleasure of you know working for Jose Andres for a number of years, and uh, primarily at Titania, but then worked uh, at a number of his uh, other restaurants that I helped open, and then manage um, this like basically DC-based uh, beverage operations. Oh, cool. And that's also where I met uh, my business partner Juan, who was leading. Uh, Bar Mini, which, um, you know, yeah. amazing cocktail place, um, as well as like the new projects that Jose had at the time. So we worked together a lot. And then funny how that, that universe sets I that know. up. huh? Um, he's also Dominican, very random. Like I literally we met because he when he was dodging, when he was getting his job, they sent him to say, hey, Daniela will help you. And we kind of like helped. I helped him with his stash prepping everything. And then that we became like. amazing friends ever since and then you know started hey like why don't we do this and you know started consulting and um you know side hustling which again comes naturally (laughs) um yeah and then you know then we opened colada shop and um you know then bresca and now serenata so you know very very excited we're about to open our third location of colada shop um in a couple you know in a little bit it's yeah Coming up soon. Yeah. Tell, tell the location of the Colada shop because it's so good. Everyone yeah. So we have uh, our first location is actually in Sterling, Virginia. And then we have our second location, which came right after, uh, was in 14th Street. So 14th and T. And, and, I, and I only go there. <laughs> okay. That one's a little far. But we have, you know, another D.C. location, which is closer to here. Um, it's going to be at the Wharf. So I think that's a perfect fit for the war for you. I mean, it's kind of fun and vibrant and, um, Talk about Brasca, and it kind of, yes, the wharf is great. I think and it, it just gives like a fun vibe. And like, if you're it's mostly visitors, but I think it's kind of nice to see something different in the wharf. So you I, know, I think at the wharf, we thought it was a good location, a, the water. Um, I'm also like a Pisces. I need water. I'm, I'm a cancer. A, I'm the same. You know, yep. just, I, I thrive. I'm not um, saying that I, either of us should get into that water though no, probably not unless you're gonna get sick but uh, but no yeah but it's just you know the it kind of just was a natural fit and plus I really felt like the wharf needed something that was um more casual more fun just yeah like hey let me just walk in grab a drink grab a snack and um, there's a lot of great restaurants, but most of them are, you know, sit down, more formal restaurants. So I think we hit a happy medium. Nice. And just, yeah. So I think I can't wait. Nice. So very excited. And then Brasca is um, more on the fine dining side and kind of going back to that French roots um, mm-hmm. 
that I was talking about, and that's led by Chef Ryan Rotino, and you know we got a Michelin star a couple wow. years ago. Wow! Oh, just one that. of those, just <laughs> one of those little things. <laughs> no, but it's an it's an amazing restaurant. Um, so tell our listeners where it is. Uh, it's also on 14th Street. So there, it's actually you know Colada on 14th and Brusca are kind of like. Not even like it's separated by Lupo Verde. Yeah. Basically. So we're almost, we're basically neighbors, you know. At the time, yeah. made you try to keep the restaurants as close as possible because you have to de- divide yourself and yeah, so many and, so, <laughs> and share things, and share yeah. things, and you know, make them, um, you know, just time becomes a lot. Time becomes the most precious thing, I would say. Oh, so, yeah, I'm sure. So yeah, so uh, we're having lots of fun there as well, which is kind of. A little bit of everything. I wouldn't say that cuisine is very much defined, but we like to call it kind of bistronomy. We take, you know, French techniques, but really not necessarily like classic uh, ingredients or using more mundane ingredients, and but applying the right techniques to oh, elevate interesting. them. Interesting. And the space is very fun, just not stuffy. I had uh, a lot of fun designing it. Um, I, w- I want to applaud you. Everyone should go online and look at the end. We'll definitely have it. Where are we going to have that li- those links at, Gina? Uh, designated drinker dot show. Wait, what? That's designated drinker dot show. So not only will you find links to to actually see other your website and see see your spaces because I think they're stunning and it'll make everyone definitely want to go. Um, I applaud you for that. Being creative director, when I see your branding, I'm like, and we talked about that at length. I'm like, who did it? Just like I did. I was like, shut the front door. Um, but um, the other thing we're gonna have at the website, we're gonna have all the recipes, the how tos, Gina's tips, tricks, and whatnots on making all of th- this cocktail as well as all the others. Every other show before this. I think I have a crush. Yeah. I do. I have a crush on Daniela. I think I do. You're probably not alone. <laughs> I think it, it, there's many, I I'm do. sure. I do. I'm listening I'm to you. I'm crushing back at you, so, or, you know, it's just, <laughs> I, I really admire and applaud, you know, strong women that have gone out there and followed their dreams and, you know, spent a lot of time actually supporting that and helping uh, women within our industry on kind of making it happen, you know? Like, I got the news from, you know, my and a regional manager a couple of days ago that she, you know, she's like, you know what? I really, I'm really thinking about opening my own place. And I'm like, hell yes. And you know, and yeah. I, most people would be like, oh my God, I'm losing kind of like my number two. Like, yeah. what am I doing? And I'm like, no, like this is, I, I do. Yes. Like for me in a sense, a hundred percent a loss, but it's just like, no, like if that's your dream, go follow it. Yep. Let me just make sure that I help you. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. like talk to me, like, pick my brain, make sure you're successful. And, yeah. you know, like, but I 100% want you to follow your dreams. You know, yep. there's a lot of odds and a lot of people say, no, you know, why do you want to do that? It's a hard industry, which it is, you know, people have nothing to talk enough about it. You know, yep. you have to be prepared. And I think uh, you have to go with your gut, but also, you know, be prepared for it and just understand, like, and learn from my mistakes, yeah, you know, like, absolutely. hey, I can just hear, hear them out, but I want women to own their own businesses and be entrepreneurial and kind of change the discrepancy there. So. Well, I mean, it, it's hard, it, it's hard to do from the bottom. 
And the only way we can change um, the space is to get to the top. And because, I mean, and it's not to do it without men because they're all at the 100%. top. They're absolutely at the top at this point. So you need them to drink that Kool-Aid too. Um, but yeah, we can't change it from not being leaders ourselves. Yeah. So she just had a like contagious smile. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I can work with that. Everything else, like we can, you have the hustle, you have the smile, you know. You can we'll, learn the rest. You can learn the rest. Yeah. It's attitude is like 90% of it honestly and yeah. I guess you know you evolve and in the beginning it was the things that drove me were maybe personal like hey I want to succeed I want to have my own places but now it's you know I obviously love succeeding but it's I feel like where I really get um, my satisfaction is from seeing my team succeed and them growing and them you know going on to do other things and kind of that really brings me joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Watching other people grow is, is amazing. Yep. Is it time? I think it's time, Gina. So. <laughs> she loves this time, just so you know. It's my favorite time. I feel like it is. Although everything's been really lovely today. I know. I just, I feel like I'm in like stargazer eyes. Um, okay. So in this world of, you know, identifying with uh, a spirited animal, you know, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm totally, you know, a mink. And I can, uh, and, I, and, I, and I really identify with this animal. I'm scrounging and getting it, but I'm covered in this luxurious coat. If you could be your spirit and tell us what your spirit ingredient is that defines you and why, that would be awesome. Hmm. Well, I definitely think it would have to be rum. You know, it, it's uh, definitely kind of in my blood. Uh, <laughs> not, not gonna lie about that. And honestly, like exposed to it at a fairly young age, so. You know, growing up, my, well, not growing up, my, his entire <laughs> life, my dad has drank rum and coke. You know, it's, but when I was a kid, I was thought he was drinking coke. And I would, like, grab his glass every time, thinking that I'm, like, going to have a sip of Coca-Cola. And here I'm, like, Psh, like, <laughs> what is this? So at the beginning, it wasn't necessarily, like, the most positive experience um, for me. But it's just, it's something, like, going in the countryside of, you know, Dominican Republic, you smell like growing up, like the smell of like the sugar cane, like turning into molasses, like that smell is so particular. And like I was, was very curious and like just seeing it all around me in its different forms from the sugar cane itself to then it being turned into molasses to then, you know, being exposed to so many rums growing up. Um, I, I really love that spirit. I respect it a lot. It's very volatile. You know, it has a lot of personality, but I think that's why it's my spirit animal because it's like me. I have a lot of personality. And it's just like, you know, you, you kind of need to tame it at times and, you know, make sure it doesn't get too heated. Well, let's cheers to that. Let's cheers. Let's right. go and try one of the rums at our bar. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's, let's take it. the party there. Cheers. Let's do it.